Hello, 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 hello. Welcome back to The 100 Report. I'm Chris. I'm Charlie. And today we are going to dive straight in with the Oval Invincibles team breakdown. Um, how are we feeling about it as a sort of a general thing so far? I think, you know, all of the teams we've covered so far are actually looking really decent. I think we came into this thinking like, oh no, Southern Braves, like a clear favourites, just from our recaps from, from last year. But actually with like the, the jig around of the teams now, um, I think Trent Rockets are looking really up there as well and, and a couple of other ones. It's strange, isn't it? Because obviously we both live in London and whilst I'm from the North, you're definitely from the London area. And it was a big one about, well, which one's got the strongest squad? And I think fairly unilaterally, both of us thought that uh, Oval Invincibles had the better squad last year, saving a couple of things. But one thing that the Oval Invincibles didn't have was that extra bit of pace, that sort of X-factor fast bowler that perhaps, you know, the London spirit having Mark Wood and the Southern Braves having Joffre Archer, et cetera, et cetera. But it seems like because of a lot of the changes that have happened due to releasing players, the Colpack issue, uh, changing overseas personnel, they've actually covered quite a lot of the bases, but we'll get to that. So we're, I'm going to cover the men's team for this one. Uh, let's talk about who's out so far. So obviously we've discussed the Colpack issue a few times. For those of you who don't know, Colpax uh, worked and played as cricketers in the UK under a strange legal loophole where they were considered domestic players. And it was very heavily, usually South Africans, not always. Sometimes it's West Indies, sometimes it's other places. Um, but the Oval Invincibles had a few Colpax who have now gone and they've also released one of their overseas players and released them with actually somebody who was a Colpax but is now an overseas player if that's not too confusing. <laughs> um, so uh, the first ones, the two players that were Colpax who are now out is Riley Russo and Hardis Villeurne. Now Hardis Villeurne, I, I really like him. And, um, he's just a good, aggressive, quick bowler in the mold of an Andre Nell type bowler. Um, he, he, he'll be fine. There's plenty of franchises around who are gonna snap him up, no doubt. Uh, but Riley Russo, Riley Russo is weirdly one of the Colpacks that most people seem to say, I think he retired from international cricket too early because he is a real talent. And I really felt they were going to feel his loss. You, I know you're very much looking forward to seeing both of those players. We spoke about it before. So, yeah, it's a shame with the change of rules, but it's opened up doors to other players. So I'm keen to see who they filled the spots with. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just the other players that were out, uh, Chris Wood, his contract wasn't retained, unfortunately. And Fabian Allen, their overseas player from the West Indies, was released. So they've replaced him. And they've got five players who've come in. And they have I, what looks like a full complement of players now. So uh, let's get into it. So we will start off with the England centrally contracted player, as we always do. And it's still the same player. It's Sam Curran. I mean, it's enough said. Uh, we all saw the innings he played at the very end of the England-India series. And he, he is that bowler, the, well, the all-rounder, who just has that little something. He always has a knack of taking wickets, left arm angle, can get you out of some very tight spots with the bat, so much so that Chennai in the IPL have said to him, now he's a sort of a pinch-hitting opening batsman. Absolutely crazy that... Um that his name is the England Central Contractor player, purely because he's such a young guy um, that, you, I don't know, for me, the, the Central Contractor players are kind of the more established as such. And I'm really happy that um, Sam Curran really showed his worth there in the last 
one day uh, match against India because I think that there was a bit of pressure on him. I don't think he'd really performed to his full capacity that we've seen him in the IPL with the England shirt on. But it's funny because he just excels so much in the IPL. He's got a great relationship with MS Dhoni. He's obviously learned a lot from the likes of him um, in the Chennai squad and he often opens the batting for them. He's already done so much uh, at such a young age. And one of the things that I found was he is the youngest player to date to have taken an IPL hat-trick. And it was when he was playing for Kings Eleven Punjab, who are now the Punjab Kings, versus the Delhi Capitals. Um, wow. so, yeah, fantastic promise. Um, but let's get into the other players that are the England players or people on the periphery. Because one of the new players that they picked up is Rory Burns, who's moved from London Spirit and is now playing for the Oval Invincibles. Now, we said this last year because whilst Rory Burns is an England international and is uh, an opener, and were it not for injury, he would have probably been opening the batting throughout that subcontinent tour. He's not exactly the first person you think of when you think of a T20 or short format cricket, is he? No, and I re remember talking about this last year, thinking, um, would he even get a space in the starting 11? We'll have to wait and see when we go through the lineup now, but um, he yeah. definitely not in my opinion, aggress and an aggressive opener, by all means. He's definitely got his other skill sets, which more lends itself to the test format. So it's going to be interesting to see whether he's played and where his position, maybe he won't open, maybe he'll come in at sort of three and be that Joe Root uh, figure. Maybe this is actually, you know, the kick up the proverbial backside that uh, someone like Rory Burns will, will love and really relish by having this precious, precious situation and it improves his one-day game, especially when you think of the bowlers he's going to be facing. And the other England players that are around this squad, uh, there's quite a few. Um, in fact, before we get to the England players, let's just run through the overseas players. So they've retained Sandeep Lamachani, the Nepalese leg spinner, and also they retained Sunil Narain, who is a legend of T20 cricket and a stalwart for uh, KKR in the IPL. Um, and a mystery spinner, probably one of the only off-spin mystery spinners that's left around. And their third one, whereas Fabian Allen went, um, Colin Ingram is the new person to come in. Now, Colin Ingram was the, the local legend player in uh, the Welsh Fire last year. But obviously, because he was a Colpac, that all changed. And now he has been bought up by the Oval Invincibles as their overseas player for 48k during the last round of auctions. He's slightly towards the, the, the end of his career rather than the beginning, because he's uh, 35. But he has played in the BBL, the IPL. Uh, he has been a stalwart for Glamorgan, so he knows English conditions. Um, he has 41.50s and 400s in T20s with a strike rate of nearly 140. Um, and also, he's a wicketkeeper, which is a very, very useful thing to have. I don't know if he's going to be the starting wicketkeeper, but not bad as their new overseas player. Um, Sunil Narayan and Sandeep Lamachane, they're overseas players. They've obviously gone for spinners. As we know, the Oval is one of those test grounds in the UK that is conducive to spin and is often quite helpful to have a lot of spin bowlers. So I think that's going to work very well. But again, they've got a Nepalese leg spinner who has been all over the world, has played in the Big Bash League, um, uh, where they used to mispronounce his name because uh, it's uh, Lamachani, but they used to call him Lamachain. So they used to call him Lamachain the aeroplane. But his bowling average in T20 is 18. 
So that that says enough. Wow. Um, so and Sunil Narine, one of the first players bought by any of the teams. Uh, he was bought for one hundred twenty-five thousand. You name a franchise, he's played in it, and he often, like Sam Curran, has been used as a pinch hitter at the top of the order. So he's definitely an all-rounder now, especially in this format of the game. This is where I think Oval Invincibles have an edge. Because as ESPN uh, reported, and also as I deduced based on looking at the overseas players, they're probably not going to lose any of their overseas players throughout this entire tournament. That's really useful to have, because if you've got the likes of like David Warner on your team, but they might be he might be in Australia playing the Test Series or something, it's just, you don't want that hanging over your head. You want to have those tactics there from the beginning. Yeah, and I think it's only going to help serve the Oval Invincibles and perhaps give them that edge over all of the other teams that they have a strength and depth of the squad. However, the balance, they retain their overseas players, but it feels like they might have a bit of problems uh, with the international players or the England international players specifically. Having said that, the only series that's going on concurrently throughout this is the England-India Test Series. So I can only think of a couple of these that might get called up for the Test matches. But uh, we'll run through the players and we'll see. So obviously, Sam Curran is playing for this, as is his brother, Tom Curran. Now, as we know, during the England-India series, uh, a lot of us felt he got found out a little bit and he was getting kind of bullied a little bit by the Indian batsmen. You know, and that's not to disparage Tom Curran because those batsmen are extremely talented. I think this will be a good chance for him to bounce back and prove he's still got what it takes in the short format. They should be relatively confident that they'll keep, certainly Tom Curran, um, but they may lose Rory Burns and Sam Curran. Um, but there are a couple of other players that are certainly part of the one-day squad and are on the fringes of the test squad. Um, the next one is Sam Billings. Now, obviously, he's been that person that's almost missed in international cricket for years at this point and is an exceptional talent. And again, got injured in the England-India series, has done his shoulder. What a player, and certainly what a wicketkeeper batsman and a finisher uh, that they have in Sam Billings. I was listening to a piece by um, Nasser Hussain, who sort of slightly criticised um, Sam Billings for, in the past, having chosen competitions like the IPL, um, rather than sort of playing for his county, really digging deep and proving himself to get into that England test side. But what he's benefited from doing all of those um, franchise games is that he's an incredible white ball player. So I'm sure he's gonna do really, really well in the 100 as well. The other of the many England players who are certainly part of the one day squad, but aren't part, necessarily part of the test squad, but we'll see. Next one's Jason Roy. Um, I, when I was writing my notes down, I usually write a little bit, you know, some interesting stats, a little bit about their career, things like that. But next to Jason Roy's name, I just wrote, enough said. <laughs> um, he did, you know, he did really well for England against India. Um, I do think we're probably quite safe that he's not going to be picked up for the, for, the, for the test series. He's definitely more of a white ball specialist. He did have a dip in, um, in last year. But I, I feel like with someone like Jason Roy, and I think that, Owen Morgan was commenting on this when he was being interviewed, would you change anything? And he said, no, because, you know, India did really, really well, but we're not going to change our style of, of cricket because this is what gets us, you know, to be the number one team in the world and to win things like the World Cup in the, in the one-day series. And I think Jason Roy had a, you know, dip last year, but he didn't change his technique because he's such an aggressive player that either it, you know, it, if he 
it does really well and it works out or he gets you know gets out in the first over look at the top order the potential top order there of having colin ingram jason roy and Sam Billings, um, it's already looking pretty strong. And Sam Curran. <laughs> Sam Curran as well, yes. Um, yeah. Um, I just don't think Rory Burns is going to get a look in so far. I just keep thinking about that. It's so strange, isn't it? Because I remember we caught in a bit of controversy last year when we were doing the breakdowns for these, saying we're not sure if Rory Burns will even make it into the starting 11. Um, I, I, I genuinely wonder, and I think it's not to do with his talent as a batsman, because he's clearly a talented batsman. It's more to do with the style and the format of the game and the fact that there's just so many batsmen around who are more effective. But I think you're, you, you put it right. If he's going to be utilised as anything, he's going to be that anchor. And we've seen, you know, teams like Trent Rockets have got Joe Root, uh, Birmingham Phoenix has got Kane Williamson. So there is a spot for that type of batsman. And let's move on. There are two more bowlers. Uh, well, they are bowlers. They're players who are on the England one-day periphery. Um, and I, but I don't think we're going to run any risk of them being taken away from the tests uh, at the moment anyway. Uh, and they are Reese Topley, who we obviously saw in the England-India series, left arm seam bowler, very tall, has got a couple of interesting variations. Um, I'd say he's a one-day specialist. Um, he does get stick for not being quick enough because he bowls sort of 80s-ish, but his, his strength is getting that bounce and getting that little bit of hurry on the batsman. And the extra bowler that they have, and this is a new acquisition who moved from Manchester to Oval, is Saqib Mahmood. Because I know we said last year, the thing that Oval were potentially missing was somebody with a bit of pace. And Saqib Mahmood has definitely got that. He hasn't really transferred his domestic T20 form into the international scene yet. But he's a very young bowler. And if you've got a domestic average of 20, uh, for a bowler in T20s, it proves you're very good at what you do. Well, that's it for the ones that are definitely on the England periphery. There are a few more players, because this is one of the few squads that looks like it's got its whole complement. Um, and I think Tom Moody, who is the coach, has done a very good job of balancing the squad out, especially with that extra 12 months to figure out, right, what didn't we do right last year? What, uh, what do we need to rectify this year? But let's look at the, uh, the guys who are making up the rest of the squad. These are all England players who play in the domestic teams here. Some really show promise, and I reckon in the next few years we'll be seeing them playing for England, and some have already done it or are very experienced on the county scene. But let's go straight to Will Jacks, who for me is one of the most exciting batsmen in England at the moment. He's 22, he's in the top order, usually bats around sort of three or four, and he's extremely aggressive as a batsman. Not last year, the year before, he was playing in a pre-season tournament against Lancashire, and, and he scored 125 balls. Um, so, I mean, what's that? It's a 400% strike rate. That's just silly figures. Yeah, very, very silly figures, but great promise. England have definitely got their eyes on Will Jacks. Uh, another new acquisition is uh, Brandon Glover, who wasn't in the squad last year. In fact, wasn't even playing county cricket last year. He actually was playing for Holland as an international player. He is of South African descent, but he is naturalized in Europe and was playing for Holland as an international seam bowler. He's very quick. Um, but now because he's got settled status in the UK, he doesn't go through the whole Colpac thing. He's just regarded as a domestic player. Um, and uh, in August, well, last year, when they had the Bob Willis Trophy in place of the county championship, he 
settled himself on playing for Northampton and opted out of playing for Holland. Um, but he's very quick. Um, I think he's going to be very useful as well, given a right-arm seam bowling option, especially when you throw in Saqib Mahmood and Reese Topley, Sam Curran. There's, there's a lot of variation in their seam. And, you know, this isn't even taking into account Sandy Lamachani or Samil Narayan. The options that this team have, it's, it's pretty good. But let's move on. We've got Laurie Evans, Sussex player. He is a stalwart down, uh, down uh, in the southeast. Um, he's played in the CPL, the PSL, the BPL. Um, he does bowl a bit, but I doubt we'll see him bowling. He's in the team to, his, uh, to bat. Um, he averages 33 in T20s, um, and he's got a top score of 108 not out which is really not bad. And it seems like he's one of these other players that has come into their own at the later end of their life. Um, because last year, you know, when they were selecting the England players to go into the COVID bubble, well, Laurie Evans was one of those players who was selected. So he's clearly getting a good run of form in the one-day circuit. We saw this with, um, with one of the players on uh, Trent Rockets. It was Ian Cockbane, who was not really even considered at that point, but as having a real sort of renaissance in short form cricket. Um, Laurie Evans is absolutely in that place, especially because he's been such a long standing servant of the county game. Um, but then there's two other players. We have Nathan Souter, a uh, Middlesex leg spinner, uh, Australian born, but has been playing in England for donkey's years now. One of the senior players, a leg spinner. So again, it's different to, uh, you know, it's a different compliment. But I think he's going to struggle to get a spot, given that Sandy Lamachani and Sonny on the Rhine are probably going to be available for the whole tournament. Having said that, he's a consistent T20 wicket taker, especially last year. Bowling average of 29 and an economy of eight. So not magnificent, but he takes wickets when it matters. And last but not least, we have Alex Blake, who is a left-handed batsman. So again, great to have that option um, in the middle order specifically. Um, Kent player, uh, one of the seniors. Um, now, he again is going to be one that I question how often we'll see him because he had a great season in 2015, but has never really hit those heavy heights since. But who's to say? This is this is the great thing about the hundred, especially if you know if one player has one bad game, you'll probably get rotated. Who knows? Injuries, call up for England. There's going to be a lot of these things moving up and down. Um, so I think we'll see. But all in all, I think Tom Moody has done a fantastic job putting this team together. And it kind of ticks all of the boxes, covers all the bases. The only downside I can see is if some of the players who are in the England periphery get called up to the test team. Yeah, I think this is, I really agree with you. This is a really, really strong team. And even there's you know, a couple of changes, especially on the international front, I think is for the better. Um, yeah, tough team to beat. This is great. And the fact that he has covered all bases, you know, if they lose a couple of England players, he's sorted if they have a couple of injuries, um, God forbid, but they're, they're, they've got backups for kind of each department. Um, and yeah, what an exciting team. Should we look at the Oval Invincibles women's team? I, I think we absolutely should. I don't know what it is about um, the Oval, um, but they are clearly one of the most 
organised of the, of the bunch because this is one of the most full of the women's teams as well. We've got 13 players here, whereas I think before we've just been talking about 11. So, um, yeah, let's run through them. We've got, um, I'm going to start with the international players first because it's interesting. In this team, there's quite a few contenders for the captaincy role. And I don't actually know whether they've um, decided who's going to be captain, but there's three players here that have hell of a lot of captaincy experience um, and we're going to start with one of them who I think is probably one of the most exciting players on this team. We've got Marizan Kapp who is the South African uh, captain and she is one of South Africa's premier all-round players. Um, she's a right-arm medium pace bowler and right-handed bat and her T20 strike rate is 95 and her bowling economy is five so you spoke about this before this golden figure of six of the men seems to um turn into the, the golden figure of five when it comes to some of the women players so it's just amazing her experience is incredible she plays for um the sydney Sixers team uh and her last test match sorry her last match um one day match for south africa she got 36 not out of the bat and she had a bowling average of 2.5. She also um, has the record for the highest ever score by a South African um, at a Women's World Cup. She got 102 not out, which is pretty incredible. So she's, yeah, got a good head on her shoulders. Um, I've actually completely um, made this up. She's not the captain of South Africa. Her, the captain of South African team is her other half, better half, or power couple, as I like to say. <laughs> that mixed up, though. She's, Marizan's not the captain. The captain of the South African team is Dane Van Niekerk, who yeah. is married to Marizan. So they're the power couple of this team. Um, who is a leg-spinning all-rounder? She also plays for the Sydney Sixers, so I was I was wondering whether they sort of come as a pair, especially if they're travelling around the world and they're doing because they're both playing for the same BBL team, the same hundred team. Um, I'd I'd have them both on my team, so maybe they come as a pair. Um, and also, she, yeah, she plays for Sydney Sixers. She she's got great experience. She's she plays for the Sydney Sixers in the Big Bash League and although she's normally in the South African team as I said the regular captain she's missed out recently due to injury which has been a real shame but she's back now her T20 average is 28 and her bowling average is 21 with an economy rate of five and this <laughs> golden figure of five we talk about we talk, talk about it before with the men's squads I said the sort of golden figure for T20 even Rashid Khan is sort of six and that is the most fantastic bowling average and um, economy rate but some of these women's teams have got this magic number of five I think that just shows the the level of of skill amongst the amongst the women bowlers and especially because you know probably just due to biomechanics and biology you don't often encounter uh, female bowlers who bowl quickly so it's not exactly pace but a lot of that to me shouts using the pitch and using uh, using the external conditions. Um, yeah. It's very, very impressive. Um, yeah. We're going to go to the, the third um, international player. We've got an Australian this time. So we've got two South Africans and Australian. We've got Rachel Haynes from Australia. She's a left-handed bat. And she's won five. She's been part of the team that have won five world championships. Um, during her stint in the national team. Her T20 strike rate is 117. She's a really adaptable player. Um, 
and you see her bat in almost every top order position across all three formats with Australia. Um, she's also part of the Big Bash League winning Sydney Thunder team. And in the semi-finals, she got 48 not out. And in the final, she got 21 not out. So she really is and was key to the success in the Big Bash League and also, you know, Australia's success in, in the World Championships. Yeah, it's like the counterpart to Jason Roy's uh, position on the men's squad, having a Rachel Haynes at the top of the order. But yeah, I mean, um, what an acquisition. And um, yeah, it was uh, Marazan Cap getting a bowling economy of two and a half is just... <laughs> That's that's silly figures. It's silly. That's what it is. It's so silly. Um, we're going to turn our attention to another um, perspective, captain of the team. Um, we've got the captain of the Southern Vipers and Sussex in Georgia Adams. She's an opening batsman and an off-break bowler. She's part of the England's Women's Academy. And she has cricket in her blood. So um, her father was is Chris Adams, who's a former England Test batsman. So she's really been brought up in, in, with cricket. And yeah, she had a great last season uh, for the Vipers, which included an 80 and 154 not out, and a two for 34 in a one day. So her stats are amazing. She's an all-rounder, as I say, as well. So we've got, so far we've got three really, really strong all-rounders. Um, next up, we've got Megan Belt, who, by the way, has just followed us on Instagram. I don't know if that's key for you, Chris. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just followed us on Instagram. She uh, plays for Kent and the South East Stars. She's a right arm off break bowler. And her best stats are pretty good. They're six for 17. Well, in a one day. Honest, then you'll be able to see me say that is an astounding figure. And um, that, yeah. Wow. It's funny. I, I literally just caught what you said before. I went, yes, this is a perfect time for a plug. If you're not following us. Too late. You missed it. You have oh. to wait to the end now. <laughs> I gave okay. you the cue. You missed all, right, all right, fine. Followers or don't. Whatever. <laughs> um, next up, we've got Sarah Bryce and no guesses and uh, no prizes for guessing who her sister is. Um, but someone that Chris was very excited to talk about in the last episode. Um, and she is a wicketkeeper, top order batsman. She plays for Scotland, she plays for Kent and the Lightning. Uh, her T20 average is 39 and strike rate of 106. And her last match for the Lightning, she got 136 not out in a 50 over game. So again, I don't know where that score would have taken her, but 136 not out is pretty decent. Next up, we've got a 16 year old uh, all rounder from Surrey and the Southeast Stars. We've got Alice Capsey. She's a really explosive batter, really decent economy rate too. And one of her last games for the Southeast Stars, she got 73 not out with an economy rate of three and a half in a one day game. <laughs> Wow. Do you think she, do you think she's got a, a real chance of opening the bat in the Rachel Haynes? I do, you know. I mean, it's, it's going to be a difficult one to predict because there are so many options here. And do you go with experience or do you go with uh, sort of a new firecracker as such? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'd be tempted to probably open with someone with a little bit more experience. Mm. But who knows? It's a, you know, it's a competition of you know, quite a few games. So she'll hopefully get that time at the top as well because she definitely looks 
really promising and has already established herself with her figures. So we've got another captain in the making, well, not in the making, but another captain option here. And um, we've got the England star Tash Farrant, who is a fantastic player. She's a left arm medium pace bowler, so good to have that left arm in there. She is the captain of the Southeast Stars. She is white ball uh, player of England. She plays for Kent and the Southie Stars. And she has that golden number of five for the economy rate in her T20 bowling. So, I mean, all of these girls, they just, they don't let anything go. They literally, every single one of them is so nice. meticulous that they're on an average of five. It's just, I mean, economy of five is crazy. Yeah. Um, she was recently recalled into the England squad because she lost her place a couple of years ago. Um, and she was recently in New Zealand with the England team, did really, really well. In the last T20 match against um, New Zealand, her economy rate was four. <laughs> better. You know, if you can't do five, let's do one better. Um, you're still not going to beat, for me, you're still not going to beat uh, a bowling economy of nine for Catherine Bryce. Catherine Bryce, if you're listening to this, uh, I'm standing Catherine Bryce so hard right now. <laughs> um you do that Chris that's fine I'm gonna I'm gonna support some of these numbers of fours and fives um next up we've got Joe Gardner an all-rounder for the Sunrisers right-handed bat and right arm off break bowling and one of her last matches um in a one-day series she took two for 13 which is fantastic unfortunately I don't have that much stats on Joe Gardner as we mentioned before there are a couple of um female players that really difficult to track online some of this data so hopefully after the 100 um espn cricket info will update their stats please um make our life much easier so next up we've got eva gray who is a bowler for the southie stars and sorry she's got a good economy rate too gosh this is like i'm just like a broken record here um in her last few matches <laughs> good economy in her last few matches um Albeit in 50 over games, I haven't got any T20 stats for her, um, but her, yeah, 50 over games, she was either four or five economy rates. Wow. So that's pretty good. So we've got a couple more left. We've got Rihanna Selfby. I think that's how you, yeah, Rihanna Selfby. She um, is a wicketkeeper, another option for wicketkeeper. She plays for Sari, she's very young uh, cricketer. Sari in the Southeast Stars, and she's normally a lower order bat. Um, so she's predominantly a wicketkeeper. She does really well. With the gloves but that is her role so she doesn't she doesn't offer much as, as, with the bat as well so it'll be interesting to see who they go with and um, maddie villiers is next she is an off-break bowler she plays for england essex sorry stars and her t20 bowling average is 16. um she was also with england in new zealand earlier this year and her last t20 match for that um series she took three for ten in two overs so she finished that series off pretty well and helped England secure the win there yeah. so great great off break bowler um I mean we've got another player but already this team is just looking on fire let's finish off we've got Fran Wilson she is a middle middle order right-handed bat she plays for England as well she plays for Kent Sunrisers and she was also in New Zealand for the series earlier this year she had a great last T20 match against New Zealand. She got 31 um, not out of 23 balls. And she's also a formidable fielder as well. I was just watching some of the YouTube clips of some of her catches and some of her boundary saves. And she's not afraid to let herself do that amazing Superman dive to the side and catch the ball out of nowhere. She's super quick reaction. So it's great to have an amazing fielder in a team as well. 
So there is your lot. And yeah. I feel like I was a bit of a broken record. Well, it was, but it was, also, it was also interesting as well. And you brought up um, the, the idea of having a wicketkeeper who's not necessarily a good batsman. I remember talking to somebody about this um, on Twitter. We were talking about, would you prefer your wicketkeeper to save your runs or score your runs? And I said, well, to me, if, if a wicketkeeper saves you 20 extras and then scores 10 runs, in my mind, the wicketkeeper scored you 30 runs. Um, so those fielding things all matter. And you look at some of the astounding stuff that is happening in fielding. I mean, we all saw what Chris Jordan did a few weeks ago. Um, it's, it's so important to have good fielders. Uh, often, you know, so you, you would want somebody like Fran Wilson in your team just to be able to do those things, to pull off those fielding miracles. But that's, that's the point. And also it's, it's a question of, you know, we've been used to watching the T20 series, this is 100 balls. So you might rarely get past your top five batsmen, hopefully. Um, and also with this team in particular, you've got a lot of these all-rounders are fantastic with a bat, but they have that economy rate of five with the ball. So they're, you know, they're covered. So you can just have a specialised wicketkeeper to save you those runs, um, to be quick reflexes, to stump. Um, and, and, and that, and that's worth its weight in gold when you have a hundred run when you have a hundred balls to deal with. It also makes me think about the idea that Ben Folks wasn't retained. And I know we talked about the idea of Ben Folks not necessarily putting in the runs with the bat. But if you look at his wicket keeping, and especially we all saw what he was doing in India, I don't think he gave away any extras. And something like the hundred, having that that's just not going to give you any extras, even if they basically never bat, if the only thing they do is wicket keeping, in many ways, yeah. like you say. With that top five, if they're never going to really get to six or seven, why not? Why not have somebody who is a specialist wicketkeeper? Because if they're never going to bat, then what you want them to do is save your runs, right? Yeah, because that's the thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know how to choose between her and Sarah Bryce because Sarah Bryce is such a great player as well. So, yeah, why not have them all in? But then, you know, two have to miss out. We've got 13 here. But for me, so far, I know that you like the look of the Southern Braves women, but the Oval Invincible women's team are also really, really strong. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty hard to argue based on all of that. But anyway, I think that's everything so far. Like we say, this is a very dominant squad, but we have a couple more to do. Um, it's now time for my plug. So if you were, if you haven't followed us yet, we are on Instagram at the Hundred Report. We are on Twitter at Hundred Report. And if you're watching this, we're on YouTube. So press that button there, please, and give us a like and a subscribe. Um, we would very much appreciate it. But thank you, thank you very much, and we will see you on the next Team Talk. Bye bye for now. See you then.